Welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLarenvale, where we seek to be apprentices of Jesus. We are currently looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which can be found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus is announcing the kingdom of heaven with its implications for every aspect of our lives. There is so much for us to learn and to put into practice. Let's get into it with this teaching from our Sunday gathering. days since uh, Easter, since Good Friday, and Pentecost was a Jewish festival, um, and it was also called the Feast of Weeks, because it's seven weeks after um, after the Passover, and it's also seven weeks after First Fruits. Um, in terms of the order of events around Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, it's 40 days after his resurrection, he spent time with the disciples. Um, and then he ascends up to heaven, and it's 10 days. And then the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2, where there's 120 disciples. They're all gathered in the one place. And then all of a sudden, there is the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There is fire that appears, and the fire separates out and it rests on each one of them, and they start speaking in languages that they had never learned. The sound of the mighty rushing wind is sufficient that those in Jerusalem heard it and came rushing to find out what was going on. And then, because of Jerusalem that time, there were people from all over the world that spoke a whole heap of different languages. They come together, and each single person that is there Here's the wonders of God proclaimed in their own native language. It's likely that they all shared Greek, quite possibly Aramaic, or Aramaic more likely, and Greek as well, but they had their mother tongue, and they got to hear it in their own mother tongue. And they were astounded. And Peter stands up amongst this congregation of people that have just assembled, more of a flashbulb in the congregation, but they're there, and he starts explaining what's going on. So these are Jews that have an expectation of God going to move. And he says, this is what the prophet Joel predicted or foretold when he said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So up to that point, when the Holy Spirit was given, it was given to a particular person at a particular time, for a particular purpose. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people, young and old, male and female. The Holy Spirit is poured out. Peter goes on to explain at the end of his message, and he says, in response to the question, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptised for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. We're pretty far off. We're pretty far off geographically. We're pretty far off chronologically. But it applies to us. The Holy Spirit was given in a fresh way on the day of Pentecost, suddenly available and open to everyone. And 
I feel a real burden to pray for what we've just heard. I don't know Christy prayed for Jess and for the ministry of Streetlight. Well, we are gathered here in the name of Jesus. We are remembering that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon everyone who believes. So we together have an incredible opportunity to stand here. So I invite you to stand to your feet and we are going to all pray together at the same time. We are going to pray for Jess. We're going to pray for the ministry of Streetlight. We're going to pray for what's happening at Elizabeth Shopping Centre, what continues to happen there. And we're going to pray for what's happening here, about to start happening at Colonnades. Pray for our local churches that we will catch a hold of this vision and we'll see God's kingdom come at Colonnades. I've heard so many people over the years say how they don't like going to Colonnades. They don't feel safe at Colonnades. There's a, a lady who's done a lot of ministry down here um, who maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, um, was accosted, was the word that I heard, um, at Colonnade Shopping Centre. Um, she was Egypt in the process. Um, and it's not an uncommon thing. People are getting hurt in that space. People don't feel safe in that space. Um, but it is not the kids uh, that we need to get rid of. We don't need to, you know, clean out Colonnade Shopping Centre and get rid of those uh, rotten kids. They need to know who they are. They need to know that they are loved. The Holy Spirit has been shared abroad in our hearts. We have this opportunity. We have this mandate to get around these kids. Um, and I believe that some of us are going to be more involved than we think we are. Um, stand to your feet and we're going to start by praying. Kids as well, stand to your feet. Um, we're going to pray for um, the colonnades, for Streetlight, for Jess. Let's go. Father, I repent of my own unbelief. I repent of seeing situations and feeling like it's not going to change. And we just declare that Colonnades is a place where your kingdom is already evident and your kingdom is coming in power. More and more recognizable in Colonnades Shopping Centre. I want to thank you for all the faithful ones who have already served in that place, who have already been praying over that place. And Lord, we ask that you would accelerate what you are doing in Colonnade Shopping Centre. I want to thank you for the ministry of Streetlight. I want to thank you for, for Jess. We bless her in Jesus' name. We bless this ministry that is about to start. We pray that you would rip the hearts of the churches in this area, that we would all be involved in this in some way. Lord, may we have a burden for the young people, uh, all those who are broken, all those that are hurting, all those that don't know the hope of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would grip our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would be people who pray, we would be people who serve, we would be people who love. Oh, Lord, thank you for the ministry as well uh, at Elizabeth Shopping Centre. We bless it. We thank you for what's happening in the skate parks as well. Uh, Father, we ask that you would increase the influence of street life for your name's sake the advancement of your kingdom so that more people will be set free. And those emancipated people can help others to be set free. Thank you, Lord, for what you do for one. Uh, you do not just for that one, but you do for all the people that they will encounter. And we're excited to see generations being impacted by what you do right through life. Hallelujah. 
All who deserve. Amen. We're going to the law today. Someone say law. So it's been said that the law that was given to Moses revealed God's holy standard but gave no power to fulfill it. The law given to Moses revealed God's holy standard but didn't give the power to actually fulfill that holy standard. Guess what the Holy Spirit does? Amen. The Holy Spirit empowers people. Any people in this place? He empowers us to fulfill God's holy standard. That's amazing. We actually have the capacity to do what God wants us to do. Because the Holy Spirit indwells those who believe. And that is the most incredible gift. If you want to open up your Bibles, there's a few spares that are just here in the aisle. Uh, if you don't want your phone, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And we've been looking at the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We had John the Baptist who announced the kingdom of heaven has come here. And Jesus utters the same words as he begins to preach. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, and he starts off actually with the word repent. Repent. Change the way you think. The kingdom of heaven is not this far off distant reality, but the kingdom of heaven is here among you. We have the kingdom here. Jesus preaches this message. It says at the end of chapter 4 that he went around preaching the message of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. So not only did he have good words to speak, but he had incredibly powerful actions. In Acts chapter 10, it says um, that Jesus of Nazareth went around doing good. Who loves good, uh, do-gooders? So we'll say that his name. Do-gooders. It's not usually a Nice turn, is it? A do good. Jesus of Nazareth went around doing good. So he was filled by the Spirit and power, and he set free all those who were bound up by the devil. He set people free. He had a message to bring, and he backed it up with his actions. So Jesus heals a whole bunch of people. We read about it in Matthew chapter 4. Chapter 5, he then gives us a, a really surprising list of who's actually blessed. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth. He's speaking to this really broken bunch of people. People who are outcasts, rejects. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And it's like he's turning everything upside down. But then he says this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. So it's like he's just said, everything is a bit different than what you thought. Things are not the same. But don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, 
but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of God. We lived in Darwin a little while back, and my third term, well, I've been teaching so for, for three terms. Uh, I had a year one class for two terms, I had this year two, three class for one term, and I was like, that's plenty of experience. I'm ready for my first student teacher. Bring him on. So my fourth term of teaching is about to begin. Um, and my friend, Matt Vandert here, um, flies up from Adelaide, who'd been studying here at Flinders, and um, yeah, on day one, uh, I actually had two really amazing ideas for day one when he arrived. My first idea was, this would be fun. I'll make him think that we just wear singlets um, to, to teach. And so I, I talked to my friend Jono, he was a six, seven teacher, and I'm like, you just wear your singlet at school, on Monday morning, and I, you know, bring in um, a student teacher, and I'll be wearing a single English thing, that's what we do. And then my principal heard about it, um, and so he comes out to meet Matt, he's wearing a single We go to the in school, we go in for staff devotion, we're sitting around the table, and it's like wearing our singlets, and, um, and then Jono and Tom, the music center teacher and the principal, just took it a bit further than probably needed to go. <laughs> so we're out there, ready for like, Assembly on Monday morning, still wearing their singlets, <laughs> just going with this thing, taking it too far. Anyhow, my other great idea. So things weren't going amazing from a behaviour management standpoint in term one with my year two, three class. This is day one of term two, and I'm like, it's a new day, we're turning over a new leaf. I've got this amazing strategy that's just going to change everything, and it's going to be just an open door, Matt will start off, and it's going to be absolutely brilliant. So my amazing idea was I had a behaviour management process that included a step chart. And I held up said step chart in front of the kids, and this is really early, you know, day one, turn two, and in the most dramatic way I could think of, I just went <laughs> Now anyone might. I was convinced that this was just going to lead to the kids just being astounded and astonished and staring amazement and go, wow, things are different now. I need to listen to Mr. Rayner and find out how things are different now. It didn't happen that way. They're like, there's no rules. <laughs> There's no consequences. We can do whatever we want. So like throwing tables and you know, throwing tables and chairs, but it felt a bit chaotic, a bit out of control. And the result of my amazing demonstration um, was, was not so good, right? Welcome, Matt. <laughs> Welcome to my 2-3 class. Who's seen the movie Princess Bride? 
I do not think it means what you think it means. Remember that line? I do not think it means what you think it means. I do not think they understood what I meant <laughs> by ripping that stepchild. And I think perhaps for Jesus, he's addressing a similar thing here. He's just turned stuff upside down. And you've probably had those moments in your life where it feels like everything has just changed. You've heard something that's like, my whole life was a lie. Everything everyone told me was a lie. But gravity is still gravity. There's still things that are the same. But maybe it has implications that impact upon everything. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. You are the blessed ones. You that are hearing me speak right now are the blessed ones. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. However, it doesn't mean there is no responsibility on you. It doesn't mean you do whatever you want. There is still a responsibility on you. Things are different. You are empowered in a different way. But there are some things that stay the same. So Jesus is speaking to a bunch of Jews who were literally under the law. So they had a responsibility to fulfill the law. And he says that hasn't changed. Verse 19, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says something that for all those that are feeling like on cloud nine, like I am the salt of the earth, me, I'm a blessed one. Then he says something that I could only imagine would have brought them a fair bit of grief. Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Like, oh, okay. So it doesn't include me. How am I ever going to attain to that standard? How is that even a possibility? But what we now know, what Paul tells us, is that we have a righteousness apart from the law. The law and the prophets testify to it, but it is the righteousness of God, and it is simply by faith. Our faith is not in our ability to keep the law. Our eyes are not fixed on the law, scanning for every detail to see what we must do. In fact, Paul says that the entire law can be summed up in this. What is it? Love your neighbour as yourself. We have a mandate to love. We have righteousness based purely on our trust. In Jesus. He is the one that fulfilled the law. We could not do it. I might actually read out. If you go to Romans chapter 3, if you've got one of the CSB Bibles, I'm really excited. There's a Bible nerd. I'm very excited at a development in the Christian Standard Bible. You see, Romans 3.23, can anyone tell me what it says? 
Yes. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Does anyone know what the next verse says? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The amazing truth, but not what it says in verse 24. They're justified freely by His grace. And the CSB Bible only came out a few years ago, um, and I was surprised when I read this verse. Because in every other translation, when you have, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, you have a comma or a but. But then in the CSB, in what we've got printed here, there's a full stop. I'm like, oh, full stop. But in the most recent update, or in a recent update, they've changed it to a semicolon. Very exciting. <laughs> Game changing. It's not the full stop. There's more to this story. And justified freely by his grace. Justified freely by his grace. It is such good news. Let's read. I'm reading in the slightly updated, or in the updated CSB. But now, apart from the law, it is not about our ability to keep the law. The righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Raise your hand if you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Raise your hand if you are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is true that we sinned. It is true that we fell short, but it is so much more important for us to focus on the reality that we are justified freely by His grace. It is His grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's continue to read. God presented Him as the mercy seat by His blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. So not only would there be justice done, punishment served, but he would justify us that we would be free, that our righteousness would surpass that of the Pharisees. It's a minimum level beyond that of the Pharisees, which seemed ridiculous to anyone in that era because the Pharisees were so stringent on the law. Does anyone know how many laws there are in the Old Covenant? And it's so close. 613 laws, right? 613 laws. Um, so there's 10 really famous ones. And then another 603. But that wasn't enough. They added so much more. So the law about the Sabbath, you must not do any work on the Sabbath. Keep it holy unto the Lord. There were books written to add extra detail to what you must not do on the Sabbath, right? And they were the things that the Pharisees seek to fulfill. The 613 plus the other ones that they added. It seems ridiculous to us that this was the reality that Jesus was speaking into. 
And we do not have to follow. We are not under the law, right? We have been set free. We're going to have a look at Romans 8 in a little bit and spend some time just sitting in that um, and, and meditating on the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for us. He would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. There is so much I want to cover right now, but I think I am just going to go to, to Romans 8. Um, so if you flip over to Romans 3, to Romans 8, and while you're going there, I'm just going to read out a little bit from, from Romans 13. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not cover, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no wrong to your neighbour. Love, therefore, is the fulfilment of the law. There's a few different ways that we can get this stuff on. So firstly, we need to understand the means by which we are righteous. It's not because of what we have done or we haven't done. Our righteousness is based on history, and it's the history of Jesus and what he has done. He fulfilled the law, right? He's completely righteous, never sinned, absolute perfection. So we're going to see nothing but the blood um, a little bit later. It's our only plea. It's, it's not based on what we've done. Paul says in uh, Philippians 3, a righteous, the righteousness that he sought was not the righteousness of his own that came from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. The only contribution to it is to trust in Jesus. We don't trust in the law, we don't trust in the ability to keep the law, we trust in Jesus who kept the law and keeps us. So when it comes to our, our past, we know that we stand righteous before God because of what Jesus has done for us. He paid the price, the penalty for our sin. And when it comes to our present and the future, we, the Watchman Nee quote, we must not think that to sin is inevitable. I do not think any thought hurts our Savior more than this. Watchman Nee also said of the Holy Spirit, he is not afraid to make the most exacting demands upon himself. In other words, he can call us to a high standard because he's the one that's going to fulfill it. He's the one that's going to do it. And so when it comes to our present, when it comes to our future, we are not to think that we can't love, that we can't do all that he's calling us to do. We're also not to think that our salvation, our righteousness depends upon us doing that. It's an interesting balance. It's a really interesting balance. We're not to just assume, of course, I'm going to continue struggling with this, that, and the other. But we know that our salvation is not dependent upon my perfection. It's based on his perfection. He's done it. He's dealt with it. 
and he empowers us. As I started off saying, the old covenant reveals God's holy standard, but doesn't give the power to fulfill. We now have the power. We now have the power to do what he wants. And we're not scanning the old code in order to find out what we do or what we don't do. We look at Jesus. We read his words. We read the words of the, the new covenant. And we find out how we are to live. Which is to love God, love others. Empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit. And speaking of that empowerment, let's just spend some time in Romans chapter 8. If you want to turn there with me now. Uh, I'm going to give you an impassioned reading of Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. And then we're going to spend some time listening to it. I was about to say I wasn't going to commentate on anything. I will make no such promise. Therefore, <laughs> there is no, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Which law have you been set free from? The law of sin and death. You have been set free from that law. What the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God. Did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in who? In us. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, please raise your hands. You. You. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring life to your mortal bodies. So it will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is speaking about how he became all things to all people. And he wanted to do the best that he could to identify with people where they were at. And he says to those under the law, I became like one under the law, but I myself am not under the law. To those without the law, I became like one not under the law, although I am under the law of Christ. Right? We still have a responsibility. We have a master. Not just a saviour, we have a lord. 
Right? We need to do what he says. The fact that the, you get to the end of chapter 8 of Hebrews and it tells us that the old covenant is obsolete. And what is growing old will fade away. Right? We can read that stuff and we can think, oh, let's just get rid of it all. We can do whatever I feel like doing. You can read Romans 10, verse 3, that says that Christ is the end of the law. But you would be finishing mid-sentence. Christ is the end of the law for what? Righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. We are not righteous because of the law. We are righteous because of Christ. We do not look to the law for our righteousness, or our ability to keep the law for our righteousness. I'd love you just to spend some time reading Romans 8, and just to, to sit with that. Even if you only do those first couple of verses, the reality is no condemnation. We have the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. Let's meditate on that. And then we're going to to sing one last song. Father, would you speak to us now? Hallelujah.